Ooh, here we go. This is Joe Johnston, director. I'm Shelley Johnson, the cinematographer. I'm Jeffrey Ford. I'm the picture editor. And this is the Paramount logo. <laughs> there it is. How's that look in 3D, Shelley? <laughs> Actually, of all the 3D shots, that one's that one stands out as being really particularly aggressive. Yeah. Do the stars fly at you and you, you yeah. duck? And, they fly from behind Well, that can happen. We, we put the flap, flap, flap of the paper on this, and uh, and the guys from Marvel said... They we, said they, we, have, they have a flopping sound for the paper, which they never use. Never use that. So we didn't use it here. We used wind, a cold wind. <laughs> um, so, well, I, I'm going to ask Shelley about this scene because when I first saw the dailies on this, I was... It was at, you guys had shot it. I came on after the fact, and it um, I did not know uh, until I started looking at the dailies where you, that that this was not uh, out in the middle of the, of the snow. Yeah, um, actually, Joe had this idea of of uh, these lighting conditions where you had the um, the midnight sun there on the horizon and and uh, the blizzard going and all that, and it it seemed like rather difficult conditions to work in, you know, under a normal circumstances on location and so we had this idea of doing it on stage and to do it was basically putting together three really basic elements that were without the blizzard there it would have looked rather <laughs> rather yeah. sparse and, and in need great. of a blizzard so is it just it's just it's a sound stage and it's smoked up it's basically yeah it's a sound stage and they, they created a uh, a large blizzard force there it's just a very simple psych that rick built their designer um, and uh, the sunlight that's there, the sun uh, that kind of tracks along with them, and and uh, I think Joe, with your with your miniatures experience and all that, you know all about this stuff and how to do it just right. And like even on this movie, the sun was tracking a few feet back there. The, so it's, the sun is on rails behind yeah. that oh, wow. little hill back there. That's great. And every once in a while in dailies, you can see the the uh, dolly grip sort of peek up <laughs> yeah. over the. Over the mountain. Well, that's the only way I never. I knew. I opened a shot up and looked at the top of it, and you could see the the, the roof. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's pretty yeah. great. This is the uh, the suborbital bomber interior that we also used for the for the fight at the end of the of the picture. We had to we had to uh, freeze it. So we could shoot this scene, and then we had to unfreeze it so, so we could finish the fight. Oh, you did this in the middle? We did this in the middle, <laughs> which is, you know, this was our biggest fear of having to do it, do this in the middle, and we ended up having to do it because we weren't finished with the Oh, that's the funny. you got to clean it all up. I had to clean it all up again. But uh, it's a great set. Yeah. Difficult to shoot in, but yeah. really a beautiful set. It's one of the most beautiful sets I've ever seen. It's, it's uh, quite remarkable. I love that window, that front window. It's... Total Buck Rogers, Flash Gordon. Mm. It was it was tricky to move around in because it was on so many levels and catwalks and steps and everything. And you know, I think there were only three or four broken ankles, during, <laughs> which is which is actually a good number. No, it, it was, I was su surprised. <laughs> I remember, Joe, you wanted that column of light back there. You were you were very very specific about what that light should look like back there. Um, I know we worked really hard because we had almost no room. I know. We're right up against the ceiling because we put the thing on a gimbal, which ended up being almost useless. Um, now this is this was day one, mm -hmm. or day oh, one, really? wow. day one and two. We were young and energetic, and uh, <laughs> <Naive>. <laughs> we had the whole 
world in, in our hands here. <laughs> it goes downhill from there. <laughs> Another uh, beautiful set by Rick Heinrichs. Built entirely of, of uh, foam and plaster. So this was just a green screen, basically the car driving up. And I think the car ended up being an entirely a CG. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Really? Wow. Yeah, so there's there's basically nothing. <laughs> there, was, there was an element of Red Skull in the driver's seat. Right, and that's basically it. But yeah. that's, uh, yes, yeah, so this is all, that's all visual effects there yeah. in the background we see yeah. out. And so is everything looking through the the wall when, mm -hmm. when Schmidt enters. That's all, that was all a green screen. It is. We had a, a backing of the tank there and... Uh, we ended up, I don't think we used it at all. It was a, a nice backing, but we replaced it with a moving tank, so. Should be commended. It's the first time you saw Hugo in this outfit and with this accent. Um, you know, the second day of a shot. Um, it was pretty incredible to see him going. To, we, you know, you know Hugo from we know Hugo from a couple other films, and and uh, he's he totally transforms himself every time. And this was such a so great to watch him work in this scene. Yeah, I think he was almost as scary as Johann Schmidt as he was as Red Skull, <laughs> if not more so. <laughs> if not more, exactly. There's something great about his performance too, where you, it's not. It's not that you're sympathetic to him, but he's 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 a person. He's a complete person, and it's not it's not uh, it doesn't distance you. You're you're mm -hmm. still totally fascinated by what this what's going on mm -hmm. in this guy's head, mm -hmm. and you want to know what he's going to do next. Well, even as the villain, he's pretty charismatic, you know, which is I think a, a crucial element for all villains. They have something that makes them appealing. But maybe you can help your village. You must have some friends out there. Some and this is the only time I think we see him in the full-on Nazi, mm -hmm. you know, wardrobe. David Bradley, of course, plays Filch in all the uh, Harry Potter films. And the, the first costume design we had for him looked exactly like his Filch character. In fact, we said, where's the cat? That's all he needs. Probably better to change the costume. Yeah. He has a face right out of a Rembrandt painting, mm -hmm. you know. I love the design of the of the tree in the box. It's really great. The, this set had so many great elements. That that entire uh, tree of the world sculpture was um, done in clay. Oh no, kidding! Wow, yeah, by the sculptors there. Cast in uh, fiberglass. There were a lot of versions. I remember when I arrived, seeing you know going through the art department and going through all of their concept art and whatnot. There were dozens of versions of that tree. Just little. I mean, you guys had so many different iterations of the design of that tree before you landed on this. If the order to open fire. Fool. You cannot control the power you hold. You will burn! I already have. 
Okay, he's the bad guy. <laughs> this again, this is all CG blood on the skull. And a CG New York City. CG New York. That's right. Kominsky, Henry. Boy, a lot of guys getting killed over there. Rogers, Steven. Kind of makes you think twice about enlisting, huh? Nope. It's the first time we see Rogers. Chris and his skinny Steve guys. This was um What'd your father die of? Mustard gas. This whole sequence was, was I think some of the last stuff that was that was finished. And shooting him as skinny Steve was really complicated because we had to adjust everything around him in addition to adjusting him. We knew we had to shrink him down, so we had to um, take account of that for everything that the environment that he was in. Yeah, a lot of times we had to select not only his performance, uh, you know, Chris's performance, but then you'd have to select the performances of the people around him because they couldn't, it couldn't be part of the same one. Mm -hmm. So you had to find ways to match them. Um, but it really looks amazing. Yeah. It's 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 it's, uh, it's hard to believe uh, what they did. Lola did this. An uh, LA company specializes in cosmetic enhancement. This was probably one of the the most extreme cosmetic enhancements they ever had to do. I would think. Absolutely, it's pretty amazing. The thing I think that makes it work so well is that so much of the movement is Chris's movement. It's not a it's not another actor, right. uh, you know. It's not a body double situation for the most part. It's 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 Chris. So, his head and his body are in sync with his performance. This alley here was uh, the only alley we could find. It's we searched London for an alley that would work as a New York alley. This ended up being on the Pinewood back lot, <laughs> and it's Pinewood. It, they almost don't have a back lot. It's one tiny little street about fifty yards long, and. Uh, this was, you'd think you could find an alley in London, but we, we just couldn't find it. We, they were all quaint little mews. <laughs> they were beautiful, but they didn't yeah, look right. like they were New York uh, alleys. Um, and that, the building in the background is CG, is all added um, above the first floor. You know it's illegal to lie on the enlistment form. And uh, Sebastian Stan is standing on apple boxes here to make him taller. Again, we had to had to put dots on on Chris uh, where his eyes should be, or where his eyes would end up, so that so that the other actors in the scene would not look at his eyes because that would have looked wrong. And we had to do the same thing for the other actors. I had to put little eyes on stocks. Well, that's incredible. There, the way you know, he holds his shoulders and everything, and it's yeah. all been it's all been adjusted. Yeah, yeah. I don't see what the problem is. Well, there's a shot where he hugs him. Yeah, it's just, how <laughs> it's, do they do that? It's amazing, yeah. yeah. As is this. I think this looks really great. Yeah. This was a green screen, all green screen. Just, yeah. just the, basically only the thing they're walking on is, is there. The ground and those, those uh, the plinth that the statues are on are real. A lot of the people are different elements. And again, the, here they, the set ended where the stage is and everything else is green screen beyond.
And this was the same stage we shot the Arctic in, I think. Yeah, right it, oh, really? Took, That's yeah. great. Right. right after I took the set stage. down. It. <laughs> yeah. Well, we were, I mean, the, the, the paint was wet on every set we were in. Just, I mean, I think we had something like 115 sets. Wow. And a 117-page script, or sets and locations, you know, so. I mean, this just scheduling the construction and the striking of the sets was, that was a full-time job in itself. How many stages were you working on there? I think we had... Uh, Four or five? Something like that. Wow. And we'll just sort of rotate through them, basically. Yeah. yeah. I think we had a couple of smaller stages for the for the uh, things like the train interior, or the uh, locomotive interior. That that car was, uh, we purchased that as a, it was a Hulk. I mean, there was nothing. It had no engine, no interior, and the... Uh, the car guys took it down, had it stripped and sandblasted and wow. painted, and they made it look like a brand new car. <laughs> it was I mean, it was, yeah. This thing was junk. Amazing. <laughs> it was just a piece of junk. I mean, all the cars that we had to crash were uh, were pretty much junkers. We didn't yeah. destroy any any decent or valuable cars. This is a really uh, tricky one. This scene because the the elements are, you know, the Chris element is different from. Right. The background mm -hmm. and right. it's it's amazing how many different pieces are used to com compile this and I think they did an amazing job changing him here. I think he was uh, Chris was green screen here, wasn't he? Yeah, Chris. Well, that in that shot there he was with Bucky, but um, right here is here that here it's green screen. They're yeah. both green screen. Yep. Yeah. Yep. What was interesting about it when we, as we were shooting it, there, there was no like one way to do this. You know, uh, Chris Townsend, uh, the visual effects supervisor, had probably three or four different ways of of creating this effect, either through a head replacement or a, or scaling down Chris's body or what, whatever it was. And depending on what the actual needs of the shot were, you know, if they interacted with the other actors or whatever, I mean, he would change, mm -hmm. you know, constantly what the what his requirements were for any given shot. Some were green screen and some required almost no real special need but look at that that was a tough shot yeah. Yeah, really tough <laughs> uh we had a great body double uh by the name of leander dini who would watch chris in a scene and then try to mimic his actions as closely as possible um in case we wanted to do a head replacement if not we used it as reference but uh i think most of the shots are you know a shrunk shrunken down Chris Evans because we wanted the performance. Wait here. Is there a problem? Just wait here. Now this is fairly simple. He's sitting on a on the uh, the bed there. But then he has to get up and go sit down and put his shoes on. It's that this entire thing was a, a Chris this is all Chris, yeah. This is all Chris. But it's he's been removed, shrunk, and returned to his mm -hmm. <laughs> to his place in the scene, which is kind of amazing. Yeah, and it's Chris in his in his finished Captain America physique as well, right? Oh yeah. I mean it's just Oh it's 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 Chris entirely ripped and right. uh, pumped up. <laughs> That's really the amazing part that they're able to do that. I think a lot of times they the clothing actually gave him more trouble than, than when he was bare chested because they had to. You have to deal with the fabric and how it folds and right. it doesn't look rubbery. You know, 
Right, yeah. I'm sure how it all fits together. And... You hafen? Or paramos? Five exams in five different... Stanley Tucci. Didn't you say every every film there should be a law? Every, there every should be a law. Has yes, to have Stanley Tucci. Every in movie it. should have Stanley Tucci in it. At least, at least for a few minutes. Yeah, no, he's he's so good and so creative, and it's just great watching all of his work. I don't want to kill anyone. He carried that accent in between takes into some pretty successful one-liners. Oh yeah. They have a great relationship too. I mean, they have great chemistry together on screen, and it really works because it's you, you. They have a little bit of screen time uh, together at the beginning of the film, but it sort of feels like it resonates throughout the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Even later in the film, when they reference Erskine, you really remember this relationship. I yeah, think it's a really good thing. Congratulations, soldier. Well, this is really where you set up. I mean, the first act is where you set up the guy who's going to become Captain America. So you have to love him as Skinny Steve, because right. he really, he really doesn't change, uh, you know, emotionally or psychologically. He's, he only changes physically. Are you ready, Doctor Zola? My machine requires another fantastic Rick Heinrich set. It's gorgeous. <laughs> It's interesting the way he works because he, he really understands what light is supposed to do in his sets. Um, when you look at his concept art and all that, I mean, it, it all has a very pronounced kind of light direction and a mm-hmm. feeling in terms of how the light is is there to, to be represented in his sets. And these sets had a lot of you know metallic finishes and... You know, light actually turns corners and with the kind of finishes he uses and and he told me really early on that he, he didn't mind if his sets kind of faded into darkness it, he didn't it wasn't a requirement of his for his mm-hmm. sets to be lit he just wanted them to feel right and and I thought well that's a you know pretty confident designer yeah, and yeah. He, he spent weeks on this honeycomb texture here in the background wow, that's really great trying different uh, finishes and different Reflectivities and everything, because he wanted it to have that that uh, that texture, that contour to it. I love how that window works narratively too. You see it here, and then you'll see it again when Schmidt's in silhouette, and then of course that's where the guys zip zip line through later. And it's sort of you always know where you are yeah. by that shape. It's great. There was a uh, a really nice backing, a mountain backing that we put out there. It was beautiful. And uh, it actually worked great. It yeah. it may be in uh, still in a couple of shots, but we replaced it with a um, a digital painting of uh, a similar mountain range. But I think that last shot may have been the I think that was yeah the one where uh, we used the the painted backing. This scene it used to be about them trying to blast a hole in a little metal target. And they're making up, a gun, right? They're making a gun, yeah. and it ended up blowing in a hole in the entire wall of the of the lab, which is what they're looking at here. And we changed it to make it more about harnessing the energy of the cube and not, not so much about a gun, so it it's, it's a very different yeah. kind of a scene now. I supervise all operations for this division. Must be the accent, Queen Victoria. Thought I was signing up for the U.S. Army. 
What's your name, soldier? Where's this location? This is a place called Black Park, out behind Pinewood Studios, oh. where everything, I mean, every every movie shot at Pinewood has has a scene in, in Black Park. Uh, Goldfinger, parts of Goldfinger were shot here. Oh, no kidding. Where the uh, the Korean guys are chasing him in the Mercedes. Right. That's all uh, Black Park. Get your ass up out of that dirt and stand in that line of attention until somebody comes tells you what to do. Yes, sir. I love Tommy's pause here. Yeah. When he's... Right here. <laughs> Should I do it? I better give him the speech. Right. <laughs> fought with weapons, but they are won by men. We are going to win this war because we have the best men. It must have been interesting cutting Tommy because so many of his performances on the set were so understated, you know, and and uh, it must have been that yet yet you found like these incredible moments with him. Well, I think he's a he's a guy that that sort of finds it and hears it, and and he he doesn't. It's not a it's not a thinking thing. He just mm -hmm. he just gets there and then yeah. and then stays there. It's very it seems effortless, and yeah. he, he can be just he can really hold the screen like nobody else it's really amazing yeah. I think he also really understands the moments yeah, yeah. he knows what makes a, a moment work dramatically and uh, this was a new scene after we'd shot everything else in the training camp yeah this is Santa Clarita too right this is Santa Clarita yeah. uh, right down the road from uh, where the, the battle was shot but uh we felt that we needed something that showed that he he could think and he was clever and he had ideas and not just that he wouldn't give up nobody's got that flag in 17 years sergeant duffy here was a was basically an extra in the uk and he was so good that we brought him over to be in this scene <laughs> I said fall in! Interestingly enough, uh, Rogers had to disobey orders to do that. That's right. <laughs> well, he knew when to disobey orders. <laughs> That's what it's all about. <laughs> Here we're back in uh, Black Park. We had to we had to decolor the grass here because we we shot half the scene in one location and at the end of the day we moved because of the light to a place where the grass was completely dead. So we had to kill all the grass <laughs> digitally. Come on, girls. Look at that. He's making me cry. This stuff's also amazing how they were able to shrink him down. Mm -hmm. It's with all that movement and. Yeah, you can just imagine. Interacting, yeah. It's just got to be painstaking. He's big, he's fast, he obeys orders, he's a soldier. He's a bully. You don't win wars with niceness, doctor. You win wars with guts. Get away! Get back!
It's great though, it gives closure to the thing he's been trying to do in the beginning of the film. Mm -hmm. He's trying to enlist, he's trying to contribute, but you realize it's not it's not just vanity. He really I mean, it's not just something he's pursuing. He really right. believes it. he's a true believer. Right. And I think that's what that's what, you know, kind of seals the deal there for Erskine. But it's also it's perfect that that uh Phillips is gonna prove one thing and he ends up proving <laughs> right. exactly. He the wants his guy to jump on right. it. And that's not what happens. Me too. Can I ask you a question? Just one. Why me? I think this is probably one of the most important narrative scenes in the in the movie. I mean, it tells you really all you need to know about both of these guys, <laughs> and a lot of what you need to know about about uh, Schmidt as well. There's a lot of information here. After the last war, that. My people struggled. They they felt weak. They felt small. And then Hitler comes along with them. It's a very simple scene, but I think uh, they're both really good in it. And and you get you get information from not only what he's saying, but there's some some visuals that where we cut away, and and it's not completely. We know that maybe Erskine's not a completely reliable narrator about what's happened. There's some things he's maybe leaving out of this, which I think is really interesting. Mm -hmm. And telling about what happened to Schmidt and how dangerous this might be or whatever, but mm -hmm. there's a great sense of um, great sense of drama and what what's going on with it with the cutaways. I think it works really good. We shot all this stuff green screen. All the um, the shots of Erskine and Schmidt, and we I really didn't know what we were going to do with them when we when we shot it, but I just wanted to, I wanted to be able to put any kind of background behind them, sort of build the sequence later and we tried a lot of different things to get it to feel like what it is which was it was fun we tried a bunch of different elements before we settled on these yeah it was originally shot to almost be black and white kind of a German expressionistic mm -hmm. thing but because we shot it in color to be converted to black and white later you guys could had access to that color information mm -hmm. yeah I kind of like what you did with it I love the way the color is desaturated. Like it's, it definitely is set up, set apart from the rest of the movie. It has almost that sort of hand tinted look. Yeah, old film. This set they're in, by the way, is this is the recruiting office, and the or the enlistment office. Oh, really? At the beginning, yeah. Redressed and and repainted. Who has known power all his life? He lose respect for that power, but a weak man knows the value of strengths and knows compassion. Thanks. There's a really great cue here too, by Alan mm -hmm. Silvestri. Yeah. And it it's it's the sort of beginning the beginning formation of the Captain America theme. Mm -hmm. But you can hear it kind of starting to come together as he starts to hear about, you know, why he was chosen. It's really great. Mm -hmm. Alan really provided the glue that holds all this together. I mean, he really, this music was the final thing that when it came in, we started putting it to, to picture. It just, you, it just made you realize, oh yeah, that's what that scene's about. Yeah. Yeah, I get it now. What a great choice. Because you have not worked with him before, no. right? Yeah. Yeah, fantastic choice. No, I don't have procedure to Can't get after I took it now. From Sylvester Wagner. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little conscious. Just a little bit. <laughs>
think uh, there are actually two pieces of Wagner here that yes, it's a that Joey Rand cut together. He didn't think anyway anybody would notice. <laughs> <laughs> Someone out there will. And I told him. I told him I didn't notice. <laughs> they're both from the Ring Cycle, but they're from different operas. Yeah. You disapprove. I just don't see why you need. There's another great scene where Hugo holds it, even though he's not really on screen. He's he's just in silhouette, but just his. Just that shape and mm. and his voice uh, has enormous power. This is the the digital painting, by the way, in the background. The... Mm. I love how the opera is scoring the scene. Too. <laughs> it starts it to do. <laughs> in a very threatening way. Toby Jones could do so much with just a look. It just as this guy, this painter was for having just a few seconds on screen. He did a great job. I love that you never see the painting. Yeah. I know this neighborhood. I got beat up in that alley. This is basically one long block in. Manchester, England. And um, it comprises almost the entire chase that's coming up. Um, we just kept redressing it and changing things and moving cars and people. And uh, I don't, I mean, if you look close, you can tell that we passed the same building a couple of times, but it is so... Well, it's, this is a very layered visual effect sequence. I mean, you've got shrinking Steve down. They're in a green screen cab. The back of the street behind them is its an extension. There's matte paintings down every alleyway, pretty much. It's 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 really layered and and, and complex. <laughs> and then with the performance in the foreground, which is yeah. hilarious, because it's such a delicate performance by Chris there. I think yeah. So this idea of the uh, the lab having a false front of the antique store is actually from one of the early comic books. What are we doing here? Where Peggy was actually <laughs> the the old lady behind the counter. Oh, she, had a, right? she had a mask on. Yeah. <laughs> you must have been tempted to do that. Oh, I, I that thought would have been fantastic. <laughs> I'd like to see her in you know, present day age. Yeah. 89 or whatever she would be now. Right. This was a, another especially tricky shot for uh, Skinny Steve. I think they went. They they started with shrinking him. They went to a body double with Leander, and then they they went back to shrink him just to. Or maybe I think that the, it's actually several different techniques. I think that that last one is a is a body double. Yeah, this one this one's him. I think here. Yeah. 
This was uh, probably one of my favorite sets, if not my favorite one. It just, it just uh, visually was just so perfect. It just looked exactly like what it was supposed to be. It looked period, even though it was it's sort of futuristic for the period. Yeah, it's an interesting tall order from a design point of view, I would think, because um, it had to look cutting edge, but yet doable. Yeah, with yeah. with relays and magnets and you know, not, not transistors and you know yeah. silicon chips. You know. Project of yours comes through. We'd like to see it used for something other than headlines. Jeez, somebody get that kid a sandwich. You know, it's it's interesting. We only shot with Tommy Lee Jones for I don't know how many days it was. It wasn't that many days, and he is he is everywhere throughout yeah. this movie. It seems like he is you know in every other scene. Comfortable. <laughs> It's a little big. <laughs> I love the design of the of the pod that he's getting into. Is that is that based on something or is it? No, it was. Um, you know, we 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 wanted to set it apart from the other pictures where this kind of process was is almost like torture, like in Wolverine, where the guy gets drilled with needles and everything. And we we wanted it to be. Uh, I think the way Stephen Broussard put it was more like a space launch, where it's. It's very high tech, but it isn't necessarily the Iron Maiden. You know, it's right. a, it's the kind of thing that's intended to do this specific thing and not necessarily cause pain. Yeah, I love the design of it, especially it looks different when it's open, and then when it's closed, it's got this great sort of almost Egyptian sarcophagus kind of look, but it again still feels totally of the period. It doesn't feel too Futurama. And Rick wanted to do all this apparatus in the lab with this paint finish called Hammerite, which was really popular in the 40s. It's it's, it's spray-on stuff that looks like it's, it's almost like hammered metal. Huh. That wasn't so bad. That was penicillin. Silman Fusion, beginning in five, four... You notice that he's strapped into the under the table here, and when the when the pot opens after the transformation, the the belt has mysteriously disappeared. <laughs> I'm sure it was design feature that Doris can put in. Oh yeah, no, absolutely, it's self-releasing. Now, Mr. Stark. You just imagine the mechanism oh. for this. These the the visual or the special effects guys, Paul Corbold and his team, engineered this thing to actually. I mean that that was that was not an effect. That was not CG. Yeah. It actually worked, and it would actually rise up and close. Probably too late to go to the bathroom, right? <laughs> and not kill the occupant. Yeah. <laughs> That's a critical element. <laughs> This sequence was storyboarded by Rodolfo DiMaggio, and he must have done five or six different versions of this to get the process. And the various stages of this, of the process working. Um, and he never 
finish the storyboards. Rodolfo does the, the best storyboards in the world. I mean, he's a, he's an amazing artist, but he he always left them rough because we knew we were just gonna do another version. Seventy. Did you notice that we pause at seventy, and and uh, <laughs> Doctor Zola also paused at seventy. Seventy is yes. where you have to pause that's when right. you're doing yeah. these things. That's right. It's a rule. At least in the forties. That's right. <laughs> I love that. Uh, I love that flare from the bright light inside the inside the capsule. It's great. Well, Shelley, I could probably talk for a couple hours just about flares alone. <laughs> we could do the whole commentary just on flares <laughs> i learned early in my career that flares were good flares are great these are really well done flares too they're, they're unique flares they're not out of hand as they can be now this is this is the moment that chris evans worked out for for several months and before we shot that he he must have dropped to the floor and done about 50 push-ups <laughs> in what seemed like about nine seconds it, it was That's it was fantastic. pretty amazing to watch well, that, the best thing about that is that that's the shot that's not enhanced. Exactly. Other than that's right, that's it took right. off some tracking marks, but I think that there's no nothing else there. It's yeah. Just yeah. Him. yeah, this is where the skinny Steve shots started. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's how he looked in every skinny Steve shot. <laughs> right. Yeah. Now watch for a really convincing double of Stanley Tucci right there. <laughs> Stop him! Richard Armitage is the actor who plays Kruger here and just one of those great kind of classically trained British actors that when it comes to doing anything physical was game for oh, anything. But he, he got to shoot an 82-year-old um, shopkeeper. I mean, that's really why he took the part. He wanted to be able to kill Grandma. So here's a little section of Manchester that we'll, you'll get to know a lot. Yeah. And yet it really does not look like it's the same block. Well, they do go from, they go from Manchester to to North Hollywood. At they, one do. Point. They, they do. Back. They do. They go briefly. Well, they, then they go back to Liverpool. Yeah, before right. their train. And then the deliver. Trip to this is Manchester it's here. It's quite a drive. <laughs> it's, a, oh. it's a long chase. <laughs> oh, she had him. Sorry. One thing we found too while moving the camera is that Chris can run very fast. He's a very, very fast runner. He's very fast, and he also has a very unique run. I mean, mm. it's, almost, it's almost a dancer's run. And when we tried to double him for running, there was nobody who could run like him. They just didn't have that, so the same dynamics of the way he moves, and uh, he had to end up doing most of his, his own running.
Now we're in North Hollywood. <laughs> this is a universal backlot <laughs> that we have attempted to make look like uh, Manchester. Now we're in Liverpool. There you go. Around the corner in Liverpool. <laughs> yep. Spanning the globe. <laughs> And this car also was, when we got it, it was a rusting hulk. And they did some amazing restoration on it to get it to look that good. In fact, the, the car that rolled over was not the car that was driving. It was uh, one that was basically just, uh, it would roll, and that's about all. That <laughs> set it up to... You should also point out that these these... Brooklyn Bridge shots mm -hmm. behind Steve here. These are all visual effects, obviously, and the, the sky's been replaced as well. It's all brilliantly done there, I think. Yeah. Chris did a great job. Jeff, you did a, a marvelous job of putting this, this sequence together, too, because this is one of those sequences, as you might imagine, that would only exist in just a million pieces for a very long time. You well, know, I'd like to take credit for actually Robert Dalva cut most of this. Did he really? Yeah, and he did a great job with it. Yeah. It's 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 it just flows like like a dream, and uh, it, it's you're all you're at the right place all all the time. That that ship, by the way, is is CG. I just wanted to point out. Yeah. There's no boat there. It's uh, just some markers. As is that foreground propeller. This was shot in a tank at Pinewood. Who the hell are you? The first of many. Cut off one head. Two more shall take its place. In the background here, of course, is uh, CG, the Statue of Liberty in the harbor and everything. Even the foreground water is uh, enhanced. Get the movement in it. He funds your research because you promised him weapons. You serve at his pleasure. He gave it his facility as a reward. This set uh, was a Shepperton. It was, you're, you're basically, you've just seen the entire set. <laughs> that's, that's the entire set. Everything you see in these hallways is shot in that. That's in amazing. That space. You got a lot of mileage out of those yeah. corners. Yeah. Just kept changing direction. Well, you know, Rick designed this to, uh, specifically to do that. He put a, a curved section with a straight section and a, and a, and a, a T at each end. So you could shoot in any direction and, right. and make it look like somebody's, you know, was coming around a corner, and you're in a new, a new space because the design-wise, it's all exactly the same. There's no features, you know. Yeah, right. So it can be wherever you are. Yeah, I mean, the, the the flag is basically the only thing that we could change. It's great, and you can you can flop it, you can play it backwards and forwards <laughs> like the right. the Hydra guys. Those uniforms, you That's can flop right. them. You can yeah. do whatever you need to do with those Hydra guys to achieving his goals. And I suppose you still aim to win this war through magic. Science. But I These guys were great. <laughs> great These three actors were, we named them uh, 
Roeder, Hutter, and Schneider after the members of Kraftwerk, <laughs> 80s German sort of, uh, what would you call that kind of music? Progra techno. Progressive techno. Yeah. Quite simple, gentlemen. I have harnessed the power of I love him counting them. That's yeah, he's as if he needs to. <laughs> right. We should make it sure he's got enough yeah. of a charge. Right. It's okay. Berlin is on this map. So it is. You will be he has just total contempt and uh, and no patience with them through this whole scene. I know. <laughs> it's fantastic. I know. <laughs> it's, he's so methodical about yeah. it, too. I'm, I'm no. going to bring you in. I'm going to kill you. Stand here. He's also sort of irritated by his machine that it's not right. it's not targeting perfectly. My apologies, Doctor, but we both knew Hydra could grow no further in Hitler's shadow. Hail Hydra. I think we did something like 14 different takes of Zola saying, "Yeah, we did." Hail Hydra with, yeah. in every possible, you know, yeah, with the salute and without the salute, and yeah, Toby gave you options. He did give us that one has that great thing though. You said when we were cutting this, he's like, oh, "Look who I'm working for." It's just he's just crushed by the end of it. Is right. he doesn't know what to do. Right. If it could work only once, he'd be proud it was you. My committee is demanding answers. Great. Why don't we start with how a German spy got a ride to my secret installation in your car? What do we got here? Now, this is the same set as Allied headquarters. The, the submarine pit here is where the giant map table was. Yeah, I remember scouting this location, which was a, I mean, it was like a, uh, some kind of manufacturing plant from the 40s and very much in disarray and uh, I mean these these rooms had peeling paint and and uh, just a horrible shape. I remember walking into this space and Rick's down there saying I think we can do something with this and us all looking around. Yeah, we were just looking at each other like okay he's do something with what? He's gone over the edge. Exactly. Too many sleepless nights. <laughs> no he really uh he really made it look like two completely different yeah. places. And yeah, and, and a lot of the Allied HQ set is largely intact in these shots. It's it's actually quite you know, yeah. all the arches oh, yeah. and stuff, they're no, all it's, there. It's there. Yeah. Well we were we you know, specifically here we could use we could put atmosphere in and smoke it up and sort of avoid looking down the long corridor, you know. Yeah. Sun. You want to serve your country on the most important battlefield of the war. Sir, that's all I want. And congratulations. They're basically standing in uh, Private Lorraine's alcove right here. Oh, that's where that is. Why? Wow. <laughs> sell a few bonds, bonds buy bullets, bullets kill Nazis. Bing, bang, boom. You're an American hero. It's just not how I picture getting there. This, this sequence uh, we shot in... Uh, place called the Hammers... No, what was it? The, the uh, Hackney Empire. The Hackney Empire, right. In fact, the movie theater uh, that we saw earlier was the same location. Great song by Alan Menken. 
a beach or drive a tank, but there's still a way all of us can fight. Casting this was tough, you know, there were, I mean, hundreds of great dancers and singers we had to have in, just had to, had had to look at everybody. Keep, you had to have them come back and do it again. Well, you had to be, you know, we sure. Wanted, we wanted to make sure that, yeah. you know, The challenge here was to make it look like there were a bunch of different theaters. And all we, we couldn't change the theater itself. All we could do is, you know, hang different bunting and sort of rearrange things a little bit. It was also one of the only ways to really integrate the original suit as it appears. Right. Right. And the, I mean, right. This is pretty much. Which is basically why this sequence is in the movie. Right. Uh, we couldn't really think of any other way to get the suit in. I mean, he had to had to do this propaganda thing. Well, I think it sets up the the suit that he has later in the picture because he, this one, everyone recognizes it, but it doesn't. You know, later he has something that feels very practical mm -hmm. and and intense and something that you would actually, you know, it's part of his part of his equipment. Mm-hmm. And and this one this one isn't, but it's a it's a good way to do it. I love the fake rocks and the cereal. <laughs> yeah. It's fantastic. And these guys chasing after him. <laughs> That's a, obviously an American tank from the late thirties and which is what they would have done in Hollywood. They would have painted a you know, a right. iron cross on a uh -huh. old American tank and <laughs> This is also this blows my mind every time I see it. It's a green screen element. Yeah. That's been enhanced with everything. Everything except the dancing girls and Cap and the motorcycle are. Well, you, we had yeah. 20 dancing girls. We're making it look like 60. You'll find each of those dancing girls has a triplet sister <laughs> in the wings there. How many of you are ready to help me sock old Adolf on the job? Okay. Uh, I need a volunteer. I already volunteered. How do you think I got here? This is Born Wood in, uh, in the UK. Yeah. I think Born Wood's recent claim to fame would probably be the opening scene in Gladiator. <laughs> the big battle with the, uh, what do you call them? The uh, Yeah, they're firing the arrows and, mm -hmm. yeah. It's great how when we get here, the all the colors and everything have kind of muted a little bit, and mm -hmm. not quite. It's not quite as vibrant. Steve bombs on stage. <laughs> <laughs> that audience came packing tomatoes, so they didn't have high expectations. No. Well, I we did have somebody going through the crowd selling rotten tomatoes. <laughs> Five cents. Hello, Steve. Set of cigarettes. Can't smoke. <laughs> Can't That's smoke right. in movies these days. Those are all the non-smokers. Yeah. yeah. Officially, I'm not here at all. That was quite a performance. Yeah. Uh, I had to improvise a little bit. Crowds I'm used to are usually more... Uh, 12. And I understand you're America's new hope. 
Bond sales take a 10% bump in every state I visit. Is that Senator Brandt I hear? At least he's got me doing this. Phillips would have had me stuck in a lab. I remember we were shooting this scene. Only two Richard Whelan, for some reason, decided he wasn't going to wear rain gear. I remember by the end of the scene, he was soaked <laughs> to the yeah. skin. And I don't know why. <laughs> well, we we decided to make it rain here because we thought it'd be nice to have have rain somewhere in the movie. We'd planned for rain, and then it actually rained on this day. It did actually rain. In fact, lightning struck the, uh, or uh, lightning hit nearby. We had to shut down because we had the, the crane up with the rain rig on it. It was one of the few days that it, ac it actually rained for real. Yeah, actually, yeah. They've been through hell. These men more than most. Schmidt sent out a force to us. Chris Evans th throughout, he really gives it really interesting, subtle performance and multi-layered. And uh, it's really interesting to, just, to, just to watch him take a scene and, and uh, you know, perform it in, in ways that I wasn't expecting. Um, I always liked seeing, that's that's my son Henry in the background there, yeah. right there with the helmet, asking directions. <laughs> and then he, he goes off and that, okay. got his order and he goes away. <laughs> but uh, Chris, uh, I, it was always interesting to see what Chris would do first without any direction. And then it was a matter of sort of, you know, steering him slightly in one direction or another, but he really had a handle on who the character was. Well, he plays this... He plays it in a way that's totally without irony. He believes it, and there's it's it's not a joke, and it's not artificial. It's mm -hmm. it's sort of this earnestness that is so honest that you can't help but be charmed by it. I think, mm -hmm. and it, it's a hard thing to do. It seems easy the way he does it, but I think it's a. I think he did a yeah. really great job with it. I think it's really easy to stray into melodrama there you know he, and he never yeah, or feel self-conscious about about being captain america which is a sort of this he's a very right. sort of earnest guy and he's he really believes in what he what he believes in yeah. and, and you have to you have to believe that he believes or else that doesn't work and he and you do every minute with chris what do you plan to do walk to austria if that's what it takes you heard the colonel your friend is most likely dead you don't know that even so he's devising a strategy if he detects by the time he's done that it could be too late the shot was added, or the scene was added in post, just to basically have him sort of change his attitude and be determined. Did you mean that? Of course, this was in, uh, it's in the, the hills above the Hollywood freeway. <laughs> That's right. He's going to drive to Austria. <laughs> On the 101. That's right. Well, thank, uh, thank goodness she talks him into taking a plane. <laughs> Well, that was always the thing we were trying to balance is that he gets sort of activated by hearing about Bucky and and that's the thing that really makes him realize that it's time to you know to make a, take a stand and 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 contribute in a way that's more than just doing the show mm -hmm. well, Bucky has got to be the only reason that he would go a wall and risk you know yeah bull becomes personal and Huh. Stark is the best 
civilian pilot I've ever seen. He's mad enough to brave this airspace. We're lucky to have him. So are you too. In casting you? Chris, but I know that casting this was a was a long process of so I shot some of the screen tests and all that. And actually, you did an interesting thing with the screen test that I've never seen before. I mean, a, there were extensive screen tests in there, you know, on little sets and, the, you know, with a number of different actors and, you know, seeing how they interact with different people. But you also had them do a physical scene, a fight scene, mm -hmm. just a simple little thing, which I've never seen before in a screen test. I thought that was, that was really smart because as we're shooting them, you could really sort of see, you know, who yeah. was sort of was capable of doing it and who... Yeah, well, it's so, you know, his physical abilities is, are so important. But I, that was from an experience I had on the Rocketeer where uh, we did a screen test and we basically just had the guys, you know, put the rocket pack on and, and walk through the thing and there was, there were guys who couldn't get out of their own way. I mean, it was, it was embarrassing. <laughs> and I, I just, you know, try to do it since then. Yeah. These prisoners, I, I, I'm not sure they have the strength. Then use up what strength they have left, Doctor. There are always more workers. This was basically just a, the stage floor with a lot of equipment on it. And uh, Chris Townsend is adding everything else in the background. This was a location in Wales. It was an old uh, armaments uh, factory. And these round, where the cells are now, were giant vats of chemicals that were used for mixing explosives. And uh, Rick went in there and uh, basically put, he turned them into cells. Of course, I think the first two ha actually had metal bars and everything behind it were <laughs> either wooden or plastic pipe in the background right. of it. <laughs> What we also found working with Chris is that, I mean, we had guys, we had gymnasts come in and runners come in to do things. And what we found was that Chris could do the same stuff that the gymnast could do. And it would look like Chris Evans. Yeah, yeah. When the body doubles or the gymnasts or runners did it, it, it just didn't look like him. He has such a unique way of, of moving. And, uh, he could pretty much do all his own physical stuff that wasn't dangerous. You know, it didn't involve a falling or something. But um, like this shot right here coming up, this one, we had a gymnast do this. <laughs> and Chris actually ended up doing it better. That's Chris. You know, yeah. It whole, looks effortless. It's, yeah. everything it's not, it can't be that easy. <laughs> it hops up on a tank over a 12 foot wall. Uh -huh. <laughs> this piece of set here is, is basically uh, this, and what you see right above him is basically the entire factory that was built. Everything else has been enhanced and uh, or created in the computer. And, it's, it's all really just dressing. Hey, hey, hey. 
it's interesting because I think a large part of Rick's job too was to design a lot of the environments for visual effects. I mean, even though he wasn't building a lot of the set backgrounds, um, the architecture all had to be established. And, and uh, I, th I know that he was working really closely with, with Chris while we were there and as to the look of all these set extensions, you know, through the Stark Expo and all the stuff at Hydra and exactly what it was supposed to look like mm -hmm. and, you know, the exterior of that factory that he was running up to. And, um, you know, his, his design job went, you know, extend way into the sort of the virtual world as well. Yeah. We can't make it work without the right perspective. Because if it's, if it's off, then no matter how hard you try, there's just, it's never going to feel just right. And it's, it's amazing to me, some of these, like this factory, all these factories, uh, when you see the, the, the depth of the place, mm -hmm. just being able to frame for that and, and compensate for that so that when it's added in later, it feels completely naturalistic is, is really amazing. A lot of this sequence was shot by uh, Jonathan Taylor, who was our second unit director and DP, who's a wonderful, really understands action um, from a kind of a filmmaker's point of view. Um, and, uh, and he actually shoots what you ask him to shoot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Often rare for a second unit. For a second unit director, that's, uh, <laughs> you, you could ask for nothing more. <laughs> I mean, it's... It's in focus, it's well exposed, and it's what you wanted. <laughs> this was a little, tiny little interior set on one of the stages at Long Cross Studios. The interior. I think one of the great visual things in this sequence what starts to develop in this part of the movie is those blue flares on the on the Hydra Troopers. So when you see them, you know that it's that they have those cube-powered white uh, weapons, mm -hmm. and it's a it's a simple thing, and you get used to the grammar right away, and then you forget about it. But it's a great way to to remind you that they have that firepower. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of those are uh, those are created with the, the actual light sources of blue LED that that we found during prep. Um, a lot of the testing was kind of arriving at the color of the, of what this blue cube and the blue energy was and, um, and how to integrate it into the, the costumes and the packs and the various bomb elements and things like that and, and, uh, uh, uh you know, getting different samples in for Joe and Rick to sign off on and get this color down. Once we had the color down, uh, they built all kinds of stuff with these LEDs. <laughs> they were just everywhere. Oh, great. That piece of paper that Zola picks up there is a, a diagram of um, what he was in the comics, which is basically a, a face in a TV tube in the chest of a like an android, and it's you could you see it for two frames there, but you know the fans will have to pause on it to see what it is. But. There's poor Bucky. God knows what's happened to him here. Mm. Well, it's terrible. You know, it's terrible. Uh, yeah. it, was, it was some form of the 
of the rebirth process because <laughs> he does survive that fall. That's true. And the trip down the frozen river. That's right. And he shows up, you know. I don't know if he's frozen or just brought back to life, but, you know. But the, right here is where that happened, where he was yeah, oh yeah, he was, given the power. He was, he was strapped to that table, and Zola did some really nasty Unspeakable. things to him. Unspeakable. Unspeakable. <laughs> <laughs> That vehicle there, the fast track, is actually based on uh, a vehicle built by JCB called the fast track. It's an agricultural vehicle. Without the gun. Without the gun. Right. It was designed, yeah. the uh, the housing was designed by our friend Daniel Simon, who designed most of the vehicles and aircraft. And That's a great shot. That is a great shot. I love that shot with the ovals. I'm a great fan of your films. This being the first time that our hero and our villain meet, I, I wanted them to start to fight, but then I wanted the fight to be interrupted before it could, it could go on, so you'd want to see them meet again later. And uh, Zola provides the perfect reason for them to be separated here looking out for his boss retracting the catwalk there was originally an an additional scene where Schmidt yells at Zola for, <laughs> for retracting the catwalk but didn't seem necessary <laughs> well they go to this sort of hell environment and it's a perfect time for him to yeah. reveal himself So you said that was a CG face on the, well, the mask? Yeah, Hugo was actually just miming the action. And they did a, using his hand as the wipe, they had him pull off uh, partially a CG mask. And then they had, we cut away, and then he completes by removing a fake mask from the Red Skull makeup, which David White did, which I think is just amazing and fantastic piece of makeup work. Are you going to the roof? What about me? Where will I sit? Not a scratch, Doctor. Great musical moment by Alan Sylvester here with the violin. <laughs> this mournful little phrase for him. <laughs> This was an extended sequence where he, where Zola tries to start the car and can't figure it out. And he turns the stereo on accidentally and gets Wagner coming out of the thing. And it just... <laughs> we decided to just cut to the chase here. <laughs> and that's, what, the, the, What's that called, Joe? The, the thing that uh, Schmidt's escaping in it's, the Triebflugel? It's called the Triebflugel. Triebflugel, which is a really important thing to have if you are... If you have a lot of... Uh, weapons factories you want to Absolutely. have those available to get away in. well you can take off straight up <laughs> great it sounds fantastic too well the, the 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 germans actually engineered this thing they designed it it's a real thing yeah it's a real thing oh really they never built it really um, yeah 
I didn't know that. There are plans for it um, that were captured, and they may have done some experimenting with it, but they never built one. I guess uh, he might think of a two-seater on the next uh, yeah. iteration of it. Well, Zola will probably design the second seat in there. <laughs> Senator Brandt, I regret to report that Captain Stephen G. Rogers went missing behind enemy lines on the 3rd. Aerial reconnaissance has proven unfruitful. As a result, I must declare Captain Rogers... We're back in Bournewood now. Period. And uh, I think Tommy was getting frustrated with this typist because he kept jamming the keys before he could finish his speech. <laughs> We'd have to cut. Go get a cup of coffee, Corporal. Yes, sir. I can't touch Stark. He's rich. And he's the Army's number one weapons company. He does ask him to leave. He does. And I don't think Captain Rogers did either. What makes you think I give a damn about your opinions? I took a chance with you, Agent Carter, and now America's golden boy and a lot of other... She's really great in pretty much every scene that she's in. I mean, I always, in cutting her stuff, it's just... Uh, Again, it's, it's like Hugo or, or Stanley Tucci. Just a lot of great choices, yeah. a lot of creativity, and a really strong performance. She would, she, Haley would also try just about anything, even some things that she, you know, I would suggest, and she'd look at me like, what? Are you out of your mind? And she would do it and, yeah. and <laughs> prove that it would work, you know. It's a tricky one too because they have a romance, but it's a, it's sort of an oblique one. It's not, it doesn't, you know, it runs the course of the movie in a really interesting way, and it ends up in a very interesting place. But uh, it's 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 not your your usual arc. No. But there's always there's always this great energy between them that you can feel whenever they're together on screen. Some of these men need medical attention. I'd like to surrender myself for disciplinary action. That won't be necessary. Yes, sir. Faith, huh? I would also like to say, Jeff, that you're an expert at losing lines of dialogue <laughs> and having the scene actually make more sense for the loss of the dialogue. We did that a few times. Yeah. <laughs> well, sometimes it, it, you know, the visuals do everything, and you don't need it, mm -hmm. or it, or it leads you down a different path. And well, there's also you can very easily say too much in things like this. Right. And a lot of times you you find that you don't have to say anything at all. Yeah. No, the images and the music in this are so strong. They just they just sort of carry you emotionally, and there's just not much you need to do to keep that feeling. And here's our metal scene. Captain America. Captain, that's your cue. 
this was a scene that was Stanley. No, so there's Stanley. <laughs> there, this is King Charles Street back in London. That's my daughter there in the red cap. This one was here in Poland, near the Baltic. And here we're back in uh, Long Cross. Like I say, the the Big Mac map table is right over the submarine pit that you saw earlier. Rick has transformed this with just a lot of very subtle techniques. These are the weapon factories we know about. Sergeant Barnes said that Hydra shipped all the parts to another facility that isn't on this map. Agent Carter, coordinate with MI6. I want every allied... In a lot of these scenes, we're putting different lines of dialogue, new... ADR dialogue in people's mouths and you 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 really don't notice it just sort of stitching it together wow well there's a lot of times you you know when you shoot something you need to condense it or or make it more efficient or sometimes you have dialogue where the audience totally understands what's going on and you don't need it so in that compression you have to rewrite so it's always a, it's always an exercise and sort of doing another draft of the script as you're cutting and we did a fair amount of it but it was mostly just to to compress and clarify certain things and make it make it simpler We're in. well i also like films where the audience has to actually pay attention and you know listen and watch and yeah you know, no, they're pick active up on yeah they're active and participating in it then it's a uh, much more interesting for this them. fellow behind the bar here is uh, our body double leander yeah. leander dini told you they were all idiots how about you you ready to follow captain america into the jaws of death hell no that little guy from brooklyn i was too dumb not to run away this is a pub uh called crocker's folly <laughs> in uh god what part of london in uh, um, maida vale mm, yeah and it, it has been used in you know every film tv show commercial <laughs> ever shot in London <laughs> and we wanted to make it look like a completely different place it was a it wasn't a pub that's in use right now it's a, basically just a you know, it's, it's closed up and used only for filming how it has some equipment for you to try tomorrow morning sounds good I see your top squad is prepping for duty you don't like music I do, actually. I might, even when this is This is a great look in here. I love the, the sourciness of everything mm -hmm. and the soft, warm light. Right, mm. right Captain. Well, pub night interior, it's, it's sort of everything a cinematographer would want. <laughs> <laughs> Don't take it so hard. Maybe she's got a friend. There's that flare again, so you know it's a... Yeah. A problem. <laughs> some of that, some of that flair came about because we were we shot this film in a digital format, um, where you don't get those kinds of flares. You don't use the kind of lenses where you get those kinds of flares. And part of the introduction to to uh, to the you know, part of the use of those flares was to uh, uh, you know almost uh, you bring a film type of aesthetic to our digital world that we were using, they are, our whole digital medium that we were using. Of course. This scene we spent uh, 
a fair <laughs> amount of time working on. And what's interesting about it is they, you can make you can make both characters do a lot of different things with just a couple small pieces, uh, just in terms of who makes the first move <laughs> and who's responsible for crossing to whom first. Mm -hmm. And I think we, we tried a million different things on this. And what we ended up with was this, I think, a really interesting uh, sort of... Um, back and forth yeah. between these two she's she's definitely the aggressor but he is very open for it open to it until she grabs his tie i don't think they were all married so you know there was a bit of culpability there i well it didn't it didn't always work when he was just sitting there waiting or 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 or, or uh you know running away from her and and when we balanced it out more uh as you were saying you know it just changed the changed the whole dynamic and made it work mm-hmm Captain, we're ready for you, if you're not otherwise occupied. Agent Carter, wait. Looks like finding a partner wasn't that hard I think all. this is, I think Haley looks better in this scene than in anything else. This is just the way she, the way she moves. It, maybe it's the attitude of the scene that she's just witnessed, but she just, uh, I love the outfit, the way her hair, she's got that Veronica Lake thing going on with her hair there. I don't know a bloody thing about women. Just really nice. Fondue is just cheese and bread, my friend. Really? I didn't think. Nor should you, pal. The moment you think you know what's going on in a woman's head is the moment your goose is well and truly cooked. Me, I concentrate on work, which at the moment. And Dominic is doing one of the better American accents mm -hmm. for a British actor, I must yeah. say. Yeah, sort of an East Coast. Yeah. You know, sort of uh, slightly nebulous. You know, is it Boston? Is it uh, Maine? Is it? <laughs> is it? <laughs> is it Virginia? But you know he's now here. I, I wanted the I wanted the fans to think, oh no, they're gonna give him some hokey shield that fires machine guns and has relays in it and everything. And then for them to be relieved when they, oh here it is, it's the simple Roman model. Yeah. <laughs> Finds yes. on the bottom shelf. The, the classic. Well, the, yeah, it's you know it's the world's uh, rarest metal. That's why we keep it on this dusty shelf underneath the table here. <laughs> And I'm assuming she knows that it's okay to, to go ahead and fire this weapon well, at him. She's, to, she's talked to Stark. <laughs> maybe she has, maybe she hasn't. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I think it works. But the guys back there sweeping up from the uh, explosion earlier. Mm -hmm. I had some ideas about the uniform. Whatever you want, pal. The dreaded montage. There it is. Speaking of versions. Many. Many different musical choices, many different... Yeah. Uh, tried a lot of different things here. This, this sequence had to do a lot of... It had to reveal him and his shield and his uniform for the first time. And it had to... It had to imply that there was a lot of action going on without actually seeing it. I mean, this is him fighting the war. And... Uh, in the script, there were. This was a much longer sequence where there were actual scenes, and I think that we we tried to make this more about just just vignettes and shots more than anything. But even so, we we found that we just kept cutting it down and down and down. Well, I think it has a couple of demands. It has to. It's the reveal of his costume and and how he now looks in his in his true Captain America form. But we've seen that earlier. Uh, just this is the this is the, the real deal. Mm -hmm. But it's also the sort of the 
his team sort of coalescing and, and, and learning to, to be a unit and, and being successful and they're, they're, they're getting, they're hitting skull and Hydra. And then it has to do this here. Oh, he does like me after all. He's got a picture, he's got my picture in his compass. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> But they need that time together, sort of to, to bond as a unit, so that when they have the, you know, when when they lose Bucky at the train, it's a big, right. bigger event. Now this this moment here with the with the tank is all green screen. There's a there's a the piece he's standing on is, you know, painted gray plywood, but everything else is uh, just him. It's just him and uh, a big green screen. A close-up of Red Skull. It's probably worth a freeze frame. It really shows the detailed makeup mm-hmm. that David did, and also the kind of the enhancement that that Chris did with it as well. Well, we had to, his nose had yeah. to be removed from every frame of him. Exactly. I'm sorry, Herr Schmidt. We fought to the last man. Zola knows what's coming here. <laughs> Averts his eyes. I mean, you you tend to lose track of really how much of this is created in the computer um, when you watch the movie because I I just I totally believe it. They're on a mountainside in you know Austria somewhere, and really they're standing on a soundstage in front of a gigantic green screen. But I mean, it's really impressive the way this stuff is blended. Yeah. I mean, there was a big hunk of a mountain there where, that they're standing on, but everything else behind yeah. them is is all added. We only got about a 10-second window. You missed that window. We're bugs on a windshield. Mind the gap. Better get moving, bugs. Not now! Well, this is one sequence I don't think... It was almost impossible to see how it was going to be how it would come together until it actually did. You, you know, every version of it until mm-hmm. until we had the actual effects in uh, was really yeah. went to a totally different level when, this, when the effects were complete. Yeah, it would look somewhat ridiculous without the, <laughs> without the effects. In we there. have no sense of scale. There's yeah, just, the, you know, it's just, <laughs> right. it's just the pieces. But again, it's, you have faith and it ends up, you know, being really spectacular. Well, this is a the interior of the train is a reshoot. We shot this once with a slightly thinner train in a much shorter sequence, and uh, well, it didn't have that suspense build up. It was much more sort of uh, they get in and they get in and get into it. Yeah. sequence was this was shot on the steady cam with a 14 millimeter lens I don't think there's a single shot on there 
We just kept moving the camera around um, in that in that same configuration, and it just seemed to the set seemed to take that kind of treatment so well. Yeah, I think the lens choices on this movie are really great. I I, I mean sometimes I you know notice it or it affects the way I'm cutting. Sometimes I, I don't, but there's something really consistent and and well chosen about about the the lenses on this film. There are not a lot of long lens material. Uh, and it's and the depth and and energy you get from these wider ones are yeah. really effective for a lot of this. I think that you know the times we used even a forty, you could count on one hand. I mean, it's yeah, it's very uh, it's very seldom anything beyond twenty seven. Yeah, very seldom. Yeah. Well, I think all the films that you do, you, you, that's sort of one thing you have in common, at least with the ones I've worked with you on, is a lot of wide lenses up close. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of times when. Yeah, we'll be two foot six away. <laughs> the last, what's minimum right. focus in that lens? With two feet, right. okay, we'll bring him forward six four inches. You know, and and we'll just be working right up against that front element. I, I and I love that that technique. I mean, to me, it just brings. It brings, just feels real to me. Oh, you know, yeah. I think that you know they they say the 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 human eye is the equivalent of a, about a seventeen millimeter lens, something mm-hmm. like that. It just, yeah. I mean, wide just feels like you're really there, and yeah. when you. When you compress it, it just something tells you you're looking through a, you know, into an artificial world. I don't know. Yeah, we well, get all the depth, which is great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's more difficult to light for because you have fewer places you can hide lights and fewer places you can put another camera and things like that. But you know, I think I love the style and just kind of the presence that it has, and it definitely has a a positive effect on the way you you shoot stories. Mm. This is, I think, probably my favorite scene in the movie, just seeing these two guys <laughs> basically play chess, you know. But they were both just so right on in this. Yeah. I, remember, I remember looking forward to shooting this scene. Yeah. I was really anticipating it. Uh-huh. How about cyanide? Does that give you the rumbly tummy, too? <laughs> Toby's half smile is great. Yeah. And Tommy has a way of making his lines so quotable, you know. So you watch these things and next thing you know, when you're talking to somebody, you're quoting a, some kind of line that Tommy said. They're trying to intimidate me, kind of. I'm watching dinner. Just, their, their timing is just so right on in this <laughs> scene, too. Given the valuable information he has provided, and in exchange for his well, they both they both listen to each other, mm-hmm. and, and there's meaning in how they listen and how they look, mm-hmm. and when they're not paying attention, like he's not paying attention here, but yet he's totally getting right. him right now by telling him, "You're in trouble." Going to kill you anyway, Doc. You're a liability. You know more about Smith than me. The quivering on. <laughs> quivering chin. <laughs> well, you feel sorry for Zola, oh, yeah. but you don't. He's stuck. <laughs> His situation's not good. He could have taken the pill. Well, you, know, he, you, you he get the—he just loves designing these weapons. He's not really that thrilled about having to use them on people, but he really loves designing them. Yeah. He's <laughs> so in it for the he science. Can't stop. Yeah. This is an unfortunate side effect of that. <laughs> right. You do realize that's nuts, don't you? Sanity of the plan is of no consequence. Then why is that? Because he can do it. 
What's his target? This next cue coming up by Alan Silvestri was, I think, the one of the most powerful in the film. Just, I mean, it's almost the Imperial March from the Star Wars pictures, mm. you know, but it yeah. just really tells you exactly what Schmidt has in mind. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I love how it hushes up there for him, too. Mm-hmm. It just anticipates this. He's going to give a speech, and it's just, it's always in his, his rhythm, too. It's yeah. really attached to him as a character. It's a great cue. And those are the best jackets. Mm. Fantastic jackets. <laughs> they only work when you have the helmet on, though. Right. <laughs> yeah. Next time you go out to dinner, you know. We, we can get you one, Jeff, but you got to wear the helmet. Really? Okay. Well, if I must. Might be worth it. Make a good biker jacket, you Ooh, know. Yeah. <laughs> now, here we had about, I think we had 70 troops. We just kept replicating them, which is a pretty simple effect. But actually, it wasn't the troops that was the hard part. It was the weapons and the outfits. Mm. Same pub, now bombed. <laughs> yeah, I think we left for two or three days and came back. <laughs> Rick had visited the pub, and here's what he left behind. Yeah. Right. Cells create a protective system of regeneration and healing, which means um, I can't like that shot a lot. This this is an interesting scene in that we reshot it with Steve not being quite so weepy, and we went back to the original footage on this. I don't think there's any of the reshoot stuff in here, is there, Jeff? Oh uh, no, actually there was. Oh, there was one line off of cam off camera line that we ended up uh, looping, but we. Uh, yeah, I think we, we we sort of in an earlier version of the movie we wanted to sort of change his vulnerability and make him a little more, I don't know, angry or mm-hmm. or intense, and and it was the vulnerability that gave him humanity and emotion, and yeah. I think that just going back to it was a. Was a good thing because it was all there. It was also just one of those things where to get the whole movie together and sure. and watched it a few times. You just don't, you don't know what the demands are sometimes of the scene. You won't be alone. Johann Schmidt belongs in a bug house. He thinks he's a god and he's willing to blow up half the world to prove it. Starting with the USA. Schmidt's working with powers beyond our capabilities. He gets across the Atlantic. We will wipe out the entire eastern seaboard in an hour. Now, this scene was designed to work in one shot, moving around the table, and it just, there was just stuff there that we didn't need, and we needed to condense it a little bit, but that would make a good deleted scene, actually. Oh, well, yeah, actually. Well, the one, the one yeah. The one Everybody had their line. Yeah. Every Invaders had a line. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That'll teach me to plot out of one shot. <laughs> well, you didn't cover it. <laughs> we did cover it. Just, you must have, we you had, must have felt something. Oh, I knew. I knew, I knew what coverage. was on the horizon. <laughs> the Hydra Biker Gang. But fortunately, he's brought the correct motorcycle. 
with all the right buttons. That's right. <laughs> He's got Stark's version of the Aston Martin. <laughs> exactly. Like you know, during prep, walking into Rick's office, and you'd often be in there with a, your own sketch pad and working on, the, I guess, preliminary designs for the bike that would be fleshed out and uh, kind of what the proportions of it would be. And you know, it's really interesting to see these bikes evolve over you know that period of a week or however long you were working on it, and actually see them out there. You know. It's based on a Honda 250 because yeah. there were so many of them used that yeah. we got them for nothing. You know, a few hundred pounds each, and uh -huh. we could, uh, they didn't have to really go fast. They could just sort of put along and, uh, yeah, and do something kind of yeah. off roady yeah. looking. And we're back in Santa Clarita here for the uh, additional fight stuff I love this shot right here <laughs> I've always wanted to do that I have to say in the 3D version of that that shield coming at you does it look pretty that. good it's pretty good yeah I, I actually ducked may not be a uniquely American trait, but I must say you do it better than anyone. But there are limits to what even you can do, Captain. Or did Eskin tell you otherwise? He told me you were insane. So this is the second time our hero and villain meet. I wanted it to be another moment where you think they're going to have their final duel to the death and that also gets interrupted and save it for the bomber at the end <laughs> what made you so special nothing i'm just a kid from brooklyn i think hugo does a great job of making you believe that he has the physicality to Pull this off. I never doubt his strength or his mm -hmm. how imposing he is. Of course, but unfortunately, I am on a tight schedule. So am I. This was a tricky one for timing. Since we had to you know, shoot it in a bunch of little pieces, we never really got a sense of what the overall timing of the scene would be and, uh, until we put it together. And there was, a, a, I know, a moment where we kept asking, you know, why doesn't he just shoot him? Right. When, he's, when Red Skull has him on the thing, and it's it just a matter of you know, frames here and there that made, up, made the timing work. It's hard to believe that this this whole compound, this interior part of the compound, uh, those mountains don't exist behind it. Mm -hmm. That's all. That's all it. Nor, been, nor been, any of this either. It's right. This is all. 
And those ramps that you just saw going up the hill were actually tank testing ramps. Those were real, but the, yeah, those are real. The, the hillside was all CG or computer. This facility was a, a a tank factory, and they had their own tank testing grounds and different slopes. Let's go find two more. whole shield throwing thing I I didn't want to overuse that I really wanted to, to I really only wanted him to sh throw his shield maybe three times where it actually meant something and uh, I think he, he, he throws it in the in the montage a couple of times but I think it's the kind of thing where if, if he he should only throw the shield when there's no other weapon to use you know, he throws a shield at the guy on the tree. He throws a shield here to st block the doors. And he, he throws it at the end because that's the only weapon he has. But I didn't want to. Well, I think it, it comes across as it. It, it's, it becomes. A, it feels more like an active skill as opposed to some sort of. The shield has its magical property and always mm -hmm. finds its mark. It does always feel like he's mm -hmm. he's doing something to make it happen, which I think is what makes it work. the bomber we're getting into all cg land now a lot of this stuff is just you know our friend in front of a green screen here and lots of elements it's another case where you have these things feel so different when you get the effect back and it's complete it has so much so much more complexity so it's very dangerous to, to cut this stuff too tight when you don't know what you're going to need to be looking at or reading. So yeah, sure. we definitely, uh, we, took, we, we took some of this down later as we got the effects in to tighten it up mm. a bit, but a lot of it actually stayed at its length because the shots were so spectacular and had so much to keep your eye involved. This also, I think, needed to be one of those sequences where you never knew quite what was going to happen next. You know, they're racing at 200 miles an hour down a tunnel with a hole at the end. You know, what's, what's, how's he going to get out of this? <laughs> but there's time for a kiss. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, there's always a time. There's always time to kiss Haley Atwell. Right. Come on. Of course. How does he land the bomber in the in the mountain? He doesn't. He doesn't. No. They built it in there. They built it there. It's the first time it's flown. That's right. <laughs> they built it. They have to land it someplace like Edwards Air Force Base and disassemble <laughs> it. Shuttle. In 50 years. Ship it back yeah, to right. Austria. Reassemble it. This is, this is a great set here. The interior wing, the flight deck, we called it. And uh, this sequence, we pretty much made it up 
on the fly. It wasn't storyboarded. You know, we had five good stunt fighters, and uh, oh look, it's the next round. Um, <laughs> but this was really just sort of, you know, what can you do with with your star and six fight guys in a inside really, a wing? Inside a wing. <laughs> I love how this set is just this totally, they're completely entombed in here. They're trapped yeah. inside this odd shape and, and uh, how these uh, these doors open up and let yeah. the light in. And but you really feel like you're inside a wing. And Absolutely. Yeah. Totally believe it. It's a great set. I love the Doctor Strange love illusion here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this, these pods were on a green screen, on a gimbal, a hydraulic yeah. gimbal, let's see. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I have this image of, of you, Joe, on the controls <laughs> of this gimbal. They were getting knocked around. Those guys were getting knocked around pretty well. Well, the, the, the stunt guys were being a little bit too gentle with them. <laughs> and I knew what this gimbal would do, I mean, because they demonstrated it without anybody on it. Yeah. So I wanted to see if we could actually get the guys airborne, which we did. I mean, if you... <laughs> You know, full back stick, and the nose went up, and those guys just, they popped right off the top of that thing. It was great. Well, it's, it's that interactive light and, and movement that makes it work for those pieces, mm -hmm. I think, because all the inter, interstitial pieces are CG. Oh, um, sure. Give Shelly all the credit. They were great. <laughs> I love this shot of this. You were on the joysticks, though. Cloudscape. I think one, one crash with multiple cameras. Yes, it was. Much. Yeah. So the bomber, this bomber set, was on a gimbal. The whole thing was about fourteen feet in the air, and the set itself was. Huge, 16 feet, something it was like huge. that. And therefore, it was pretty much almost darn near touching the top of the stage by the time we got to the top of the set. So we're all up in the air here, and they had just the one window in it. <laughs> it's by far the most difficult set I've ever worked in. Yeah. It was um, moving all the time? No, no. It, it wasn't. We, we actually we didn't gimble it very much, and uh, Richard Whelan, in his infinite wisdom, suggested we not put it on a gimbal but um and do it all with the camera but i i didn't listen to him you know <laughs> i said no it's got to be on a we want to be able to you know you'll feel the motion and all this stuff and you do in a couple of places but um we didn't use it all that much but um now here we're hanging these guys this is the floor of the bomber you're looking at and we redress it to look like the ceiling and we're hanging them from the from the actual ceiling and shooting down and making it look like it's lit from below. Um, just to get that zero gravity thing going. You could have the power of the gods! That you wear a flag on your chest and think you fight a battle of nations! This movie's not going to play on the airlines. <laughs> There's just no way. Not much of a chance of that. Mm -mm. 
Remember we had this set, we were building it. Uh, the original plan was to have a green screen outside that window. And uh, we only had the one window. That was pretty much the, the only place we can get light into the set. There was no, play, no way to really open it up because it was a, kind of a self-supporting set because of the gimbal and whatnot. And so uh, I remember asking Chris if he could if he'd allow us to, to bounce white light in there and instead of having the green screen out there. Mm -hmm. And I said, if you, if you give me one thing, give me this, this yeah. white, the opportunity to do this white reflector. Well, every, every shot you saw the, you know, the scaffolding and the, the guy who's the wind machines and the light, moving light, everything he made was. I think we were probably in this set longer than we were anywhere else. Yeah. I mean, we, if you combine our days with Second Unit, it was, we were always, there was always a crew in there doing something. Yeah, it was slow moving because of it, no access and just the difficulty of working on it. But it, I mean, it just looked so great. That's a little bit tougher to explain. Uh, give me your coordinates, I'll find you a safe landing site. There's not gonna be a safe landing. I'll get Howard on the line. He'll know what to do. There's not enough time. This thing's moving too fast and it's heading for New York. I gotta put her in the water. Please, don't do this. We have time. We can work it out. Right now, I'm in the middle of nowhere. If I wait any longer, a lot of people are gonna die. Probably my single favorite shot in the film. Just gorgeous. I think it's really interesting to have uh, a movie like this narrow down to these two people uh, at this moment. It's such a it's a unique thing to do. It's not always not always the way these yeah. these tend to go. And I think mm -hmm. it's there's something unexpectedly emotional and moving about it. And because you're not you're not prepared for this to, to to end up here just between this sort of simple conversation. I think it works really great. I think it's really mm -hmm. beautifully directed and shot. The performances are so good as well. I mean, I remember we rehearsed it. Chris was, didn't really act it very, you know, fully during the rehearsal. And we were all kind of wondering <laughs> what yeah. he was going to bring. And then until we started rolling and we got to. But, you know, he never, he never really did that. Yeah. In blocking or rehearsing, he would, he would just sort of walk through it. Right. And he would always save it. He would always save the performance for the, for the uh, first take. And I remember the screen test of Haley Atwell. We we shot this scene. Oh, really? And she had the crew in tears. And this was a screen test. I mean, it was it was really, and you know, some extra was reading her reading Steve's lines off camera. I mean, it was really amazing what she did with it. Yeah. All I had to tell her was do exactly what you did in the screen test. <laughs> <laughs> she does great. She says sense of inevitability about it, but there's also the sort of desire that it not be that way I mean she's playing so much it's really it's really spectacular I think after we, and we spent a lot of time talking about this when we were cutting but it's 
not seeing it crash and seeing the result and allowing that emotional thing to be the the real sort of end of the scene is was a really good call because it could have easily turned into some sort of crash experience that would have would just sensationalized it and you would have lo- you wouldn't have been able to play this cue you wouldn't have been able to develop it into this more emotional unwinding that sets you up for the rest of the ending well there's no way to show the crash without it being a you know visual effects extravaganza i mean you have to and it, it just was the wrong moment to have that you know I think it just keeps well even even something like this with with Stark finding the cube it's there's this is kind of still coded in a sense of what happened to Steve where is he and mm-hmm. lost and 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 wondering you know what became of him I think it works because of that ellipse mm-hmm. and the energy signature stops here just keep looking This too, I remember we had this cut so that we had her take the picture out right away. And mm-hmm. I remember you came in and said, I just heard the score. I have an idea because you'd heard, heard Alan's layout initially and you wanted to try something and said, what if she just waits and can't? she can't bring herself to pull it out until she's ready and look at the picture. And uh, it, the minute we made that change, the whole thing just became oh. really great. It was a great change. But, yeah, but the yeah. interesting thing is that she played it that way. <laughs> she did. Before we, you know, before we cut it like this, mm. she had she had played that moment. That shot of the kids was a reshoot because when we shot it the first time in Manchester, one of the kids had a gun, mm-hmm. and it was just. Um, we wanted to downplay the whole firearms aspect of yeah. it, even though there's six million rounds fired in the course of the movie. <laughs> yeah, kind of beyond guns right now. Yeah. Now this was a set, uh, set that Sean Haworth designed because Rick was, uh, this was deep in post-production. Rick was on uh, another picture, Tim Burton movie, uh, Dark Shadows, and uh, Sean Haworth designed this set. And there's something really magical about the set. It is, it's eerie, and yet it's real, and yet it's you have no trouble believing that it's a fake set once you realize that's what it is. Right. Yeah, it's got just that right kind of sterile mm-hmm. kind of feeling to it, and then love how the, there's just something wrong with the windows. Yeah. It 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 really looks like okay they re- they got some photographs, they researched <laughs> recovery rooms, New York City, 1944, <laughs> and they built a set. I love the looks that. Chris gives her in this. Hmm. It's like a like you wake from waking up from a dream, mm-hmm. and it works really well. The visuals and the tone of it. Captain Rogers, wait! 
agents code 13. Meanwhile, yeah. in New York City. <laughs> and he exits, and he's in New York City. On 46th Street. I had a cutting room a couple blocks from here. Did you? Yeah. Hmm. 49th. We shot this in Times Square. It rained all morning, and we thought, we're going to get rained out. What are we going to do? And it cleared up about 11 o'clock. Mm-hmm. How much crowd control did you have? Well, we had so many extras that the extras sort of became the crowd Like you made control. a perimeter kind of thing? Yeah. Wow. yeah, sort of like a wall of people. The crowds were down anyway because the weather was so horrible. But it was a Saturday. <laughs> this was also a much longer scene where Fury answered all kinds of questions. <laughs> and it it just felt like he oh, basically be... covered the entire 70 years yeah. that he'd been asleep. Yeah, yeah. that's right. <laughs> Explained what happened with the war and everything else. And uh turns out we didn't really need that. Well, it's great that it ends on that moment, though. Yeah. Timing that cut to black must have been critical for you guys. It seems, you know, after that line. Well, there were only you know, 20 or 30 different versions of it. <laughs> We were color correcting, and uh, one day uh, Joe came in to say, Shell, you got to come see this. And there you guys were on the next soundstage uh, over. We were at Todd A.O., and there was Alan uh, directing a an orchestra on a monitor, and they were recording this this music cue in London. It was it was mind-boggling how how that could happen to me and, and how amazing this uh, this music cue is. And yeah. what a perfect note it, it hits to, you know, to end the movie with. After yeah. all that, it's it's his theme. Although it's a it's a stylized version of his theme, but it's also it's so rousing and it's so upbeat and it's so happy and it's so hopeful. When his theme isn't always that way, you know, yeah, his, yeah. his theme is at times can be sort of ominous and almost grim. But this is just like well, he's a. He's an interesting character because he's he was created and in, in this film exists mostly in a period of time in America where uh, it's not a it's not a right left uh, who's right who's wrong uh, politically it's a it was about survival and 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 everybody digging deep and so I think this music kind of captures that really well it's exuberant and and positive and patriotic and proud but it's not. It's not polarized in any way. It's such a it's such a classic uh, piece of writing, and that sort of it just fits that character so well. And these were all these images were all called from propag actual propaganda posters yes. from from World War Two, right? Yeah. Just little elements of them. That's mm -hmm. kind of kind of great because it's got a real authenticity. Yeah. Yeah. This one was modified slightly from a, <laughs> an existing. A favorite, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very nice. I like the sort of water-stained, uh, looks like a flag, you know. Yeah.
Trouble sleeping? You're here with a mission, sir? I am. Trying to get me back in the world? Trying to save it. You think you're the only hero in the world? Gentlemen, you're up. I mean swing.